0: You know, some podcasts will tackle weighty issues like politics or religion or trying to find a cure for cancer. (laughs) Shh. Hang on. Wait a minute. i got to do my intro. Don't jump in until I get to the punchline. You know, some podcasts will tackle weighty issues like politics or religion or health issues like trying to find a cure for cancer. On this podcast, Harry Bartosiak and I try to find out and get the answer to the question of what was Goober's middle name? That's, that's an old Jay Leno joke. But this is Jim and Harry going down the TV rabbit hole. How you doing, my friend?
1: I am doing fantastic. Hot damn tamale. I've got it all
0: teed up for you today, and I believe his middle name was Stewart,
1: if I'm correct. Is that right?
0: Well, I'll have to Google that and put it in the corrections. God, right. you know, it'll be great if we find out that Goober actually did have a middle name. Harry Bartosiak is the number one attorney in Chicago. I am not the number one tuba player in New Orleans, but I do play some Dixieland jazz tuba. Uh, www.assunto dukes tribute. If anyone wants to check out our band, how's that for a plug, Harry?
1: Well, you got to be at least in the top five by now.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised if
1: you were number one. I'd like no. to. Uh, we need to do a list if you're gonna, you know, make that kind of claim. You don't downgrade yourself, man. As I don't far know, as like, I'm concerned, you're number one on this podcast uh, well thank you
0: there are there are a lot of good tuba players in new orleans as i've come to find out unfortunately but that's another story for another day you've told me before we went on the air you actually told me this a couple days ago uh, you have something that you think it it may change this podcast forever you really have a surprise for everyone
1: i have got something that is uh just gonna shake the format to its core wow yeah and i there's something analogous to it first of all it's great to be with you again here jim and uh hope you're doing well today i am uh i am because i've been thinking about this for a while and i thought you know i used to um go over to this local drugstore called Monaco Drugs in the town where I grew up and sometimes I'd buy baseball cards, sometimes I'd buy Bub's Daddy gum or uh, Marathon bars. Remember those big long candy bars that had the commercial with the guy in the white hat? This one guy said, I do everything fast and he said, I bet you can't eat this fast. And uh, the guy in the white hat uh, yes. gives him the candy bars, he eats it real slow. Anyway, or sometimes I would buy comic books okay. and the best deal on the comic books were the they had like a three pack in a sheer plastic and the cover would be torn off the comic book. And the reason they they were cheaper, but they buy them in threes, and, but they're usually bad comic books. Like instead of getting uh, Superman or Spider-Man or Green Hornet, you're getting like um, Tubby or Lulu or maybe like... Uh, end stage dennis the menace something like that okay so i thought to myself you know there's plenty of good shows out there what i want to do for you in the audience today is not give you just one program right and not just a couple i want to give you a three-pack of bad three-pack bad tv oh, three shows that'll knock your socks off with their unsuccessfulness oh good three, because neither none of them would be good enough to fill up a whole segment that's why i'm stalling before i even get started right here. okay but the first show super bad only made it 13 episodes believe it was a mid-season replacement in 1979 on abc it was a rush onto tv uh piggybacking on the popularity of the 1978 film animal house and this one was called delta house oh you remember that Barely.
0: So so this is going to be good oh. for me. I like this.
1: All right. Well, Delta House uh, was basically Animal House featuring uh, some of the original movie cast members. Now, did you see the movie Animal House? Of course oh, of you course. remember. Yeah, many yeah. times, many times. John Belushi is Pluto. So John Belushi wasn't in this one. Uh, some of the people who were in this one were, would be Dean Wormer, played by John Vernon. Uh, you remember? You're finished here at Faber. No more fun of any kind. And every Halloween, zero, the toilets explode.
0: Yes. Zero. Go ahead. Point zero. Zero <laughs> point zero. That's the only thing I remember uh, from, from Dean Warmer, because I play that on the Howard Stern show. But, yes, Dean, he was great in that role, by the way. He was hilarious. Oh, yeah.
1: I think in college, there was one point when I looked in the mirror and I heard his voice, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. <laughs> but, uh, anyway... Yeah. Dean wormer thinks that he got rid of the animal house uh delta house crew at the end of the movie perhaps but oh no he's he's wrong they're still there and uh now blutarski john belushi has been drafted into the army but his brother shows up as a college transfer and uh, his brother is called blotto and he is played by a guy named josh Mostel. and josh Mostel as the son of zero. Mastel, oh, okay. who you remember from sure. If I were a rich man, fiddler on the roof and stuff like that, right? Yep. Remember yep. The, you know, Sure. Big actor. He got a lot of mileage out of that. And uh but in any event, uh so you got Dean Wormer and you got a lot of the regular crew. You got uh the guy that played D-Day Hoover, Flounder, Stephen First. This was a big movie. This was written by Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny and it was did Gangbusters. And people loved it, especially um, teenagers, older teenagers, because it had a ton of sexual references and foul language. Uh, I remember very well. I couldn't see the movie. I was in junior high. Nowadays they call it middle school. It's called junior high. And so I somehow got my hands on a book, a picture book, that basically went frame by frame through the movie. So I actually watched the movie. By uh, reading this book, even with pictures of um, you know uh, bare naked breast shots uh, from from the you know female uh, cast, I'll remember that. So um, I w- I loved this show when it came out. I thought this is perfect. There was only one problem. Yeah, they put it on Saturday. It's on network TV. Right. And they put it all. on Saturday night, which is eight o'clock, which is considered to be the family hour. Seven o'clock Central. So what the movie did well was sophomoric, crude humor with foul language, um, nudity, and heavy sexual innuendo. Couldn't do any of that stuff on on network TV, even back then. Having said that, the first episode was written by Harold Ramis and Doug Kenney, and I watched it again, and it was funny. It was pretty good, but you could tell that it was putting a square peg in a round hole. For example, um, when Blotto shows up, uh, Josh Mustel, uh, Belushi's brother, they decide they're going to have a party. Instead of having a toga party, they decide they're going to have an animal party where people dress up in, like, animal costumes. Oh, God. So they did it kind of, like, half-assed. And you could tell that this would have been a show where they could have really, if they could have been let loose, it would have been funny. They had the original writers uh, to start off with. They had enough of the cast, and actually this guy Zero, uh, not Zero, but uh, Josh Mustel was pretty funny as Blotto. Wow. But, uh, uh, that was his first episode. Then they changed writers in, in the later episodes, and one of the writers was a guy named John Hughes. You might have heard of him. He wrote a few successful movies such as Home Alone, Uncle Buck, Sixteen Candles, sure. you name
0: it. Yeah, he wrote.
1: And so, But what happened was it only lasted 13 episodes because they had to half-ass it. Okay, Okay,
0: now let me ask you this real quick. Was Peter Riegert in that version? Okay.
1: Good question. Peter Riegert was not in that version. As a matter of fact, they didn't have a replacement actor for him. Several of the actors who were not in the show, including Peter Riegert, and then there was... um, uh what's the guy's name that played Otter oh I'm just drawing a blank on his name Tim Matheson remember Tim he was Matheson. in Bonanza at the end yeah um he um, was replaced by a guy named Peter Fox who nobody's ever heard of Niedermeyer Marmelard, the uh you know the the villains were replaced by somebody else and then they threw some extra characters in there including uh, a bombshell attractive uh blonde
0: played by Michelle Pfeiffer so oh you know, wow
1: those, yeah, she was on there.
0: Basically it was a, it was it could have been a good idea had it aired on HBO, but just the fact that they aired it on network te- television it was DOA. That's right. Okay. So, too bad.
1: It was about the best of the offerings. The next one I'll okay. cover very briefly because right. it only lasted a short period of time and it's this, this was show was on ABC 1977 it actually made it two seasons. I'll tell you about that in a second. Okay. But it was called, and was based on a 1959 movie starring Cary Grant and Tony Curtis. And this show was called Operation hey, Petticoat.
0: I was going to guess it because as soon as you yes. said "based on the movie," yes, I remember it well. <laughs> right. So roughly, the plot is um,
1: this uh, submarine captain in the in the in the show, played by John Astin in season one, Gomez Adams, and yes. um, uh, the Riddler, as we. Uh, talked about in a previous episode. Yes. Uh, not John Biner. Uh, Goma, uh... John Aston uh, plays a, uh, a captain of a submarine, and uh, just before the submarine's getting ready to launch, at least this is how it happens in the movie, uh, it's sunk, and they have to recover it, and they decide to uh, go ahead and get it ready to be seaworthy again. And by the time they get it ready, uh, there's another attack on the island where they're at, and they're, somehow they lose the supply of gray paint, so they end up having to paint the submarine pink. Okay? And, somehow or another, I don't know how it happened, it's not really important, they end up having to take on a crew of a bunch of good looking women. Uh, the Wax, I think is what they're called, or whatever the Navy version is. So you got a crew made up of ramshackled, bums, slacker looking, uh, naval people, uh, men, and, uh, really good looking women. Um, and, and, so the, the first season, uh, they had John Aston was the commander, played the Kerry Grant role. Tony Curtis played the kind of, uh, wise cracking, debonair, um, uh... Um, uh... second uh first first mate and in the tv show that role was played by a guy named uh, richard gillian you'd probably recognize him if you saw him but and anyway, um the 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 show was okay in the first season i yeah. watched it because i i was a big uh... you know hey there were good-looking women on there and uh, i thought hey, it's a submarine i like m- military stuff and i remember it as being moderately funny uh jamie lee curtis Tony's yes that's daughter. what i was gonna get to because yeah. i
0: remember that's the reason i remember that show jamie lee curtis she was young and she looked great
1: <laughs> yeah she wasn't one of the leads but she was one of the one of the female crew members and she was on the show after the first season and i don't know why in the hell they did this they fired everybody okay and when i say everybody i mean 15 out of the 18 cast members were gone gone any of the people i just named to you Gone. Wow! Not there. The only people that survived was one of the women named Melinda Nowd, um, Jim Varney, who you remember from those hideously oh. annoying Ernest Goes to Camp movies. Yes. Uh, and like maybe one other guy. And he, uh, John Aston was replaced by Randolph Mantooth. Oh,
0: from played, Emergency.
1: Yeah, he played some guy named Lieutenant Mike Bender. And yeah. apparently what what happened was in the set I don't know why they did that nobody I mean it's not available for research go ahead and research your heart out you I'm not sure why they did it I right. think it was just because of ratings they wanted to change it up they they changed kind of the theme of what they did on the sub before it was a war theme they were in the Pacific you know during the war uh, now they were acting it was like Baywatch like they were go like a like a Coast Guard thing where they go rescue people gotcha. and, uh it was horrible the only good thing they did for season two. The only good thing, yeah. and this is not to be minimized, is one of the females that was added to the cast and it was Joanne Flug, who, as oh. you know, was one of our
0: favorites. Yeah. Yeah, Joanne Flug was on the match game, and she was also a former beauty queen. Yeah, she was good looking. She was one of the best looking women of the
1: 70s, I would say. Yeah. Right. Underrated, anyway, for
0: that. Anytime you fire a man <laughs> like John Aston, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass.
1: As for damn sure, yes, yeah.
0: So anyway,
1: that show, um, you know, was definitely uh, started off with some promise and then uh, went in the drink. No pun intended, and never did come back up. There you so, go. Yeah. So uh, now I'm going to give you the worst show, that, in my opinion, maybe one of the worst shows of all time.
0: Oh yes, and, this is. I love this stuff. Go oh, ahead, man. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> And
1: this one probably would be considered to be sort of the poster child for a bad TV shows. as uh, I think it's a blot on a man's career like, you know, rarely has been seen before in the sitcom world. Okay. Airing on NBC from January of 1979 to April 1980, uh, this show was highly anticipated and featured a actor who had left one of the, uh, one of the country's most successful ever uh, comedies. Uh, to be on his own show, Uh, but this show started uh, after he had already failed two different times um, uh, in in trying out that route. ABC presented in January of 1979, Hello Larry, to the American public, Uh and we've never been the same for it. Uh, Things have gotten worse. We had the COVID-19 crisis and all that, but as far as TV goes, uh, Hello Larry really was... um, was a problem. It
0: was the the Hiroshima of 1979, figuratively speaking. It
1: was. (laughs) It it was. And one of the issues, by the way, if I can step away for a moment, with my three-pack of bad theory is there is a danger that I might mix and match facts from one show to the other. And I've done (laughs) that here. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Um, The writers, uh, Dick Bensfield and Perry Grant, who wrote Hello, Larry, they're to blame. They did not have anything to do with Operation Petticoat. No, William Asher was a director on Operation Bay. But anyway, Dick Bensfield and Perry Grant. These are pretty good writers. A Venture of Hossie and Harriet, Andy Griffith's show, One Day at a Time, which, say what you want, had some success. I'm not sure. was never a big fan of it. So anyway, Hello Larry comes in. The plot, the rough uh, plot behind Hello Larry is that he's divorced and he moves to a new town with his two daughters. So right there, that's a hilarious premise. Um, he gets a job with a radio station as a wisecracking uh Call-in talk show host. Okay. Yeah. Uh, problem was the wisecracking wasn't funny. Yeah, uh, it was. It was bad. Right. Fred Silverman, the head of NBC at the time, uh, referred to McLean Stevenson's character as a buffoonish. And uh, so it was like trying to be some kind of takeoff between the Odd Couple and WKRP, and I don't know what. Uh, and the other act. Actors on the show were, you know, not really noteworthy except to themselves and their families. Right. Uh, except one of the daughters was played by Kim Richards, who you may remember from I think she was on. Was she on Escape from Witch Mountain? Maybe or was it? I three, have
0: no idea. I can't remember. Yeah,
1: but she's in one of those uh, uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills things too. She's got. I think she drinks a lot or something like that.
0: Oh yeah. yes, no, I do yeah. know her because my wife used to watch that show. So yes, I do know yeah. her. She's got a twin sister. They both look kind of hagged out. But, uh, well, I was going to say, get I remember these kind of comments. No, no, no. I remember she. it looked like she had had a lot of bad plastic surgery when I'd watch yeah, it with well, my I, wife. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, if that was plastic surgery, that is bad. But in any event, uh, I mean, in my opinion, I have to say that so we don't get sued. Right. McLean Stevenson just wasn't funny in this role. You know, some stuff just doesn't work. But it was high profile, and he had come from MASH, and people thought he was an idiot for leaving MASH. And then it turns out he puts... This is what you got. Hello, Larry. Well, Johnny Carson apparently just went to town on this. You know how oh, Johnny yeah. would adopt certain things and just like he loved to bash Kmart and Earl Scheib. And whenever anything was bad TV, it would be equated to Hello, Larry. Basically. Yes. Yeah. So it didn't last long at all. But they did give it a second season. But what they did was uh, they decided they were going to swap out the plot. The premise and add a bunch of new characters. Okay? So they added, like, uh, the uh, wisecracking, nosy neighbor lady a la Gladys Gladys Kravitz, uh, played by Ruth Brown. Uh, They um, they added some other characters and they even squeezed in Sporting Goods Store owner, played by Metal Arc Lemon, playing himself. Remember from the World Oh, come on. Now, he actually played himself? He played himself. And so I don't. You know, oh my God! I think it's it's a, it's a jump-the-shark type of a move there. What can we do? I don't know. Get get me some sh- metal, get, get him on there. I don't care. Get me Whatever. Metal yeah. Yeah. People like him. Put the glo- globetrotters on there. I don't care. Hey, and plus, then they-
0: plus plus it'll be good if we if we add a little ethnic uh, ethnicity to the show. If you get what I mean, we add a black yeah. guy. Oh yeah, add a black guy. Good idea. Well, they added Metal arc, they added
1: uh, uh, the nosy neighbor, and they pulled the plug on the whole emphasis on the radio station. Instead, it became about him being a single father to his daughters and their interaction. Okay. And it still wasn't funny. And no. instead of people saying they ripped off WKRP, uh, they were saying, now you're ripping off one day at a time. And it still sucks. <laughs> and the ratings tanked. Uh, they never were good. So uh, thirty minute show, sitcom, thirty eight episodes, only two years, but he didn't get off unscathed because to this day, to his dying day, anybody who knows anything about T V hears the name McLean Stevenson thinks, why did he leave MASH and do yeah. Hello
0: Larry? you know? Yeah. So No, it's still a punchline. You can still use that punchline and get a laugh. You say, you know, uh, uh, oh boy, that's that's another Hello Larry, you know, uh, uh <laughs> <Yeah>. still- <laughs> To this day. And I can't believe it made it two seasons because, as you said, Carson joked about it so much. I thought it got pulled after like six episodes, but two seasons, I'm <laughs> yeah. surprised. Well, I'm glad you picked those three. I'm glad you gave us the trifecta. I'm thrilled to learn about Meadowlark Lemon being cast as the neighbor because I actually kind of have a, uh, well, a, what would you call it? What, what'd you say when it's not a spin off? It's a, um, what'd you call it? Oh, a, a retcon. Okay, a re- yeah, I kind of have that situation coming up as I feature my show, and I picked this show so I could actually go down another rabbit hole, but I'll start by saying it was on from 1980, or 1998, pardon me, to 2007, 207 episodes, it's been very successful in syndication, I'm talking right. about the show that starred Kevin James and Leah Remini, the King of Queens! Okay, alright, All right. Okay. Now I'm, it was I'm on sl- for
1: that long, huh?
0: Yes, and I'm selecting it because he just passed recently, and he's he, he's one of my favorite actors in this show, although most people always say, oh, he was so funny in Seinfeld. No, he was much funny in this show. I'm talking about the great actor Jerry Stiller, who played oh, yes. Arthur Spooner, he was a, father.
1: Arthur Spooner, yeah, he was a great actor. I would love to hear some clips from him with his nasty, biting comments back to people. Funny his, as hell.
0: His character in King of Queens was, to me, just absolutely hilarious. And then I found this out, and I'm not making this up, uh, when they shot the pilot... (laughs) (laughs) laughing already. When they shot the pilot, originally, they had Kevin James, they had Leah Remini, but Jerry Stiller wasn't in the picture. Who do you think they cast as Arthur Spooner, Carrie's father? Rather than Jerry Stiller? Who do you think? Yes, it wasn't Jerry Stiller. It was somebody else. Who do you think it I was? Larry Bud Melman? No, you're close. Jack oh. Carter. Jack Carter. <laughs> oh, oh, oh,
1: oh. oh, my God. You know, it's so amazing to me yeah. that Jack Carter's name has come up for that reason. But I was just about to mention him for another reason, too. Yeah, why? Yeah. Well, I'll have to say it now because I was going to shut up about it. But now, what? Uh, King of Queens... Which I liked, okay. I'm looking forward to your review. Uh, I always got that kind of, not mixed up, but I always considered that to be a a brother-sister show with Everybody Loves Raymond.
0: No, it was. It was a brother show. They had crossovers. Ray Romano would show up. Okay, Uh, so we're going to talk about that.
1: I was going to say, just like I get Jack Carter uh, confused with Norm Crosby. Well, everybody does. (laughs)
0: <laughs> don't 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 feel bad about that. Everyone gets when you think mediocre comedians that died about 10 to 15 years ago, mm-hmm. Norm Crosby, Jack Carter, those are the two that you think about. So well, just real quick, do you also
1: get uh, Buddy Hackett confused with Shaquille Green sometimes?
0: No, I don't, only because I always think of Buddy Hackett in The Music Man. So Buddy Hackett has kind of an individual identity for me, personally.
1: I see. And he had a filthy mouth, too. Oh, yeah.
0: No, and he had, do you know he had nine Vegas acts? He had nine different acts that he would do when he played Vegas, and he played Vegas all the time. Wow. Yeah, which is, that's a Uh, lot of material for a stand-up comedian, so... Yeah, and they were all filthy. They they were all one was one was filthier than the previous. He was just filthy.
1: <laughs> Him and Red Fox could have had a one hell of a time together.
0: Yeah, you know <laughs> what? I bet you, I bet you, they'd go head to head. Who was the filthiest comedian? All right, so so Jerry Stiller played Arthur Spooner. He was hilarious. He's the reason that I enjoyed watching the show. And they actually did a plot line that I know you'll appreciate. Uh, Stiller and Mira, of course, were a comedy act that was on Ed Sullivan a gazillion times. Uh, that was Ann Stiller. And uh, or yeah, well, Ann Mira and, and Jerry Stiller. Uh, I never found them funny on the Sullivan Show, but that's because it was com- comedy in the 50s, and it just was generational. It was kind of Jewish humor, if you will. Um, when were, were you ver-
1: watching the Ed Sullivan show? I, Are you I went 72 to, no. years
0: old? I went down the rabbit hole. I went down oh, the okay. rabbit hole and started Googling <laughs> Stiller and Mira on Ed Sullivan. Right. And it, and don't do it. It's just not funny. It's lost all of its luster because it's, you know, it, a lot of it is ethnic stuff that just isn't funny anymore. But they did yeah. something that on King of Queens that I thought was brilliant. Stiller and Mira were on the TV show, the game show, hosted by Burt Convy. Tales. You remember that show. I loved that show. Love that show. What they did is they took the uh, footage of Jerry Stiller being on the show, or maybe it could have been Password. One of those two shows doesn't matter. They have the footage, and Kevin James and Jerry Stiller are watching it at home. There's a young Jerry Stiller on TV, and Kevin James says, Wait a minute, what's this? What are you doing on TV? He says, Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I was on Password. Sure, sure, sure. He says, really? He says, oh, yeah, it was 30, 40 years ago. He says, wow, I didn't realize it. Oh, sure, yeah, it was a good time. Blah, blah. And all of a sudden, Jerry Stiller, Arthur Spooner, gets mad. And he's like, wait a minute. That goddamn Dick Clark never sent me my year's supply of ricearoni." Ha <laughs> <laughs> So the entire episode has to do with with Jerry Stiller, Arthur going to Dick Clark Productions, trying to get his year supply of riseroni, uh. <laughs> and of course, of course, he runs it uh, to a young guy, and he's like, "No, you know," and it, I, Dick was still alive at this point. But he's like, no, Dick's it is. It is place in the south of France. You know, Dick is a uh, a uh, Dick's vacationing in, in Bermuda or whatever. So they could never get to Dick Clark. Well, the episode ends with, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, maybe taking creative license, but they come home, they open the garage door, and in the garage, wall to wall, there's nothing but boxes of rice aroni.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a, that's excellent. I yeah. love that.
0: So okay. a couple of things, real quick. About King of Queens, and I watched it all the time with my uh, with my ex-wife. But they did some things that were really kind of schlocky. For instance, um, they had these neighbors, the Saskies, and uh, Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad was actually uh, uh, the male Saskie. I forget what his first name was, but anyway, they're these annoying neighbors. They have this plot line where uh, the annoying neighbors uh, sell Doug this uh, water filter. It's actually it gets him into a Ponzi scheme, basically. So Doug finally uh, gets mad, and he stands up for himself, so he goes next door to really give the Saskies a piece of his mind, and he knocks on the door, and the door opens, and the Saskies have left town. They ditched. So it's like, oh, man, he's screwed. Well, what happens is the next season, all of a sudden the Saskies are back living next door. It's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) They skipped town with all of his money, and all of a sudden they're back being the next-door neighbors. So that was one thing that, that was a little... Uh, not disconcerting, but just you know, one of those uh, situations where there was obviously a break in continuity, and they had a bunch of them. For instance, they had a dog. They made a big episode how they took the dog from one of the neighbors because the, the they weren't taking care of the dog, so the dog's in two episodes, and then the dog's never seen again.
1: Never seen again. Okay, that's not good. But you know, it's not surprising to me. Right. As a matter, of, as a matter of fact, I don't. I know you probably covered this, but well, we talk later about the the unexplained um, cast changes in the show later during the reboot?
0: Uh, the un- unexplained cast ja- on, in what? King of Queens? Alright, did they have a reboot of King of Queens? I'm misremembering that. No, you're misremembering. Kevin James came back with a show called... Uh Fat of the house, head of the house. Oh, uh, oh that's uh, right. And, they, and then they, uh, somehow the,
1: the wife the wife ended up dead or something like that, and they replaced the new wife, and everybody was upset. Okay, yeah. so, whoa, I've yeah. gotten this way off the track. No, right
0: no, now. no, but you're, no, you're right. It, just, it was back just a few years ago, and the first season was okay, but they had Leah Remini guest star, and they said, hey, let's kill off the original that's wife. It. Let's bring Leah Remini back, and then the show tanked. So, yes,
1: you're exactly And that's right. not fair. Yeah, it's bad karma. It's like they did on Operation Petticoat. You do wrong by these people, and it's gonna, the show's going to tank.
0: If you fuck over John Ashton, you're totally screwed. <laughs> Just always remember that for the rest of your life. All right, a couple other things real quick about King of Queens. Um, Doug Pruzan plays Carrie's boss at the law firm for like the first four seasons. Well, Carrie gets fired from the law firm. She bounces back and forth for a couple of years. Season six, she's working for a real estate company. Who's her boss? Tug Pruzan again. Same actor playing a different character. Same guy. Any explanation? Different character. None. No, none no. whatsoever. Uh, they must have. Uh, maybe they had nude photos of uh, Doug Heffernan and the dog. I don't know. Um, What's worse,
1: same actor playing a different character, or different actors playing the same character, oh. like Dick Sargent and Dick York, with no explanation? I,
0: I think when they when they replace midstream and give you no explanation, that's to me that always bothers me. I mean, I can't get that out of my mind. Would you way. say that
1: the Darren from Bewitched is the number one example of that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they did it again in Roseanne, but they kind of made fun of it a little. bit. but yeah, the two Darrens is probably the worst. Why? Do you think there was another one that was worse? No, those oh, okay. are the. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head.
1: But it was. It's like people get upset. Like, well,
0: that's not Darren. Yes, it is. It's, well, but, the, but my biggest problem is the second Darren was a real asshole.
1: Yeah, Dick Sargent.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Dick York could, you know, he could be mad, but then, you know, he'd realize, hey, I got this hot wife who can, you know, wiggle her nose and give me a Bentley, uh, you know, although he never took advantage of it. But he kind of, he kind of saw... Major he error, kind of, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, you could never, I mean, it, you could kind of see, you could see a little love between Dick York and Elizabeth Montgomery. Dick Sargent just didn't seem, he seemed like he was just unhappy all of it. his nose was com- his nose was eternally out of joint back right. over onto the highway get the car back over <laughs> let's talk about king of queens so Sorry. king of queens pretty successful only cracked the top 20 once but uh, it was still one of those shows that was usually between 20 and 30 been very successful in syndication but as i was going down the rabbit hole i decided to to feature <laughs> this show because uh jerry stiller uh, and I just, again, it's weird how the rabbit hole will take you into you know different territories. But yeah. he was actually in the seventh highest grossing film of uh, 1975. And um, when I saw him in it... Poseidon I, Adventure? No, you're getting very, very close. Because it gives me a chance to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. Along those same lines, I'm talking about... Airport 75! Oh, I know. I need Runway Niner real bad, Joe. Real bad. Now, just to give people a little history, and I'm sure most people already know this, Airport was written by, uh, it was, a, mo- uh, it was a, a novel written by Arthur Haley. Very successful novel. They turned it into a movie in 1970. Dean Martin played the captain uh, and I Hang on a second. I, I, you have a tendency to get them all confused. Uh, Bert well, Lancaster, I just did a Burt
1: Lancaster impersonation. I guess that must have been Airport 77. No, no, no.
0: I, that's what I was just about to get to. Burt Lancaster was the <laughs> co-lead. With Burt Lancaster was on the ground. Dean Martin was the captain. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, of George, course, who's the mechanic? George Kennedy. That that's the best part. Yes. Now, he was he, in them all, right? Yeah. And George Kennedy, do you remember his, his character's name? Joe. Joe, what was the last name? Italian Take name. Take a donuts. No, come on. Italian name. Vitaly. You're so close. This is Joe Petroni. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And he was. He was in all four of them. The first one was legit. It was received well by the critics. Uh, everyone liked it. Made a ton of money. Now, fast forward to Airport 75, which is the one that I love so much. Because that's the one... You, do you remember the plot line? I'm gonna throw it to you. I think they
1: had to land a seven forty seven. They had like wasn't that with the big jumbo jet with like two decks and the guy playing the piano upstairs and stuff and they had to land in a snowstorm or something like that? No,
0: the snowstorm there was a bomb was the, on board. The snowstorm? There's a Russian guy on board, a sweaty guy, a fat, sweaty guy's on <laughs> yes. board with a bomb, right? Well you might be right about the fat, sweaty guy, but no. Airport seven the first one, and it's not airport seven the first one was the snowstorm, the bomb, Dean Martin has to land the plane, but airport seventy five is the one where Oh Do you remember? Wem is the pilot. No, that's it's airport seventy seven <laughs> <laughs> Jack Lemmon with a horrible mustache was in Airport oh, 77. God, all right, all right so I'm just all over the no, place. You better airport. Let me se- I'm I'm going to try and jog your memory. Airport 75. The featured character was Karen Black, the stewardess, who at the time was. They said she was a bombshell. When you look back, you're like, boy, she really wasn't that pretty, and her teeth were all over the place. But we- Go ahead.
1: She was on. She was on that show, Room Two Twenty
0: Two. Right? Okay. I, no, that's Karen Valentine. <laughs> oh, oh, <shit. laughs> so Karen Black. They feature like the first five minutes of the of the movie Airport 75. She's walking through the terminal, and they've got all these shots of her like she's this great beauty. And first of all, she had cross eyes. A lot of people don't know this, but if you <laughs> see, a, she did. She was cross-eyed. Um, secondly, her teeth were all over the place. But in 1975, Karen Black was considered to be a great beauty. All right, uh-huh. so so she's the stewardess. She's on the plane. They get up in the air. A Cessna piloted by a guy who just had a heart attack runs right into the 747, and they kill all the pilots. So Karen Black had to land the plane.
1: Oh, I don't like that plot, man.
0: I think I didn't see this. Who are our pilots that got killed? That's a good question because, uh, hang on, I'll look. Um, I don't think any of the pilots were anybody huge. Hang on a second. I'm trying to find... Captain Alan... Well, that's Charlton Heston again, but he didn't get killed. Um... I'll Google it. Heston was in the first one, right? Yeah, no, and he's in the second one too. Uh, let's see. Roy Tinnes was first officer. Uh, was the first officer? Let's see. Uh, I'm looking for the captain. The, 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 oh, here we go. Efren Zimbalist Jr. was the captain. <laughs> Wasn't he on Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea? I don't remember. Yeah, you could be right on that one. I'll Google it. So anyway, so the, the pilots aren't that important because. Like 30 minutes into the movie, all of a sudden, well, they all get killed except one who's incapacitated and barely conscious. But what they do, and I'm, I'm amazed you don't remember this, but first of all, Karen Black plays the most, and and it's a shame. It's not a shame. It's surprising that the feminist groups didn't rally, didn't uh, didn't have some sort of an uprising because Karen Black plays the most inept person, the most panic stricken. She's like a small child. Everyone's dead. I don't know how to land the plane.
1: This is Columbia 409. Nancy Pryor, stewardess. Something hit us. All the flight crew is
0: either dead or, or badly injured. There's no one left to fly the plane. Help us! Of course, Charlton Heston is what? Her boyfriend, her twice as old, you know, twice her age boyfriend, who's on the Let ground. Yeah. He's on the ground, right? And he has he, to guide her in. Guides he's there. trying to guide her in, and then they decide, and I'm amazed you don't remember this. Uh, they decide to go ahead and get a helicopter, get an Air Force jet-powered helicopter, and lower a pilot into the side of the plane, because there's a big hole in the plane.
1: And well, played by Marty Allen. <laughs> no.
0: That would have been <laughs> good. Hello oh, there. I'm looking to see if Marty Allen was one of the passengers, but no, I'm not seeing Marty Allen. Um, so they take this Air Force captain who's going to land the plane. What happens? It fails. He gets, uh, uh, you know, the the, the the rope breaks or the cable breaks. He flies into nowhere. So Charlton Heston, who's also in the helicopter, says, all right, lower me down. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. Nope. Lower me down. So they lower Charlton Heston down. Of course, he gets into the plane. It's incapacitated. Karen Black is just absolutely, uh, completely inept. But Charlton Heston manages to land the plane. Okay, everybody's safe. That's Airport 75. I'm looking wow. at the. Uh, I'm looking at the the cast. Let me just throw out some names because that's the beauty, of these airport movies. Because you've got it this- is
1: the beauty. But I feel sorry for the guy. Do You mean they drop the one guy down and he like. Just thudded off the
0: side of the plane and bounced in down and plummeted to his death? Yes, that's exactly what happened, yeah.
1: That's, that's sad.
0: Well, I, and the thing is, he's not even in the credits. He's, I think he had three lines. Okay, lower me down, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thun, <boom>. uh-oh. <laughs> he gone.
0: All right, so, so here are some of the people that were in Airport 75. Um, uh, Charlton Heston, as we said. Uh, George Kennedy, of course, plays Joe Petroni again. Uh, Gloria Swanson played herself, believe it or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Was she like 101 or something? Yeah,
0: that I think so. Uh, Linda yeah. Blair from The Exorcist.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Helen Reddy is in it, one of her few uh, film roles. And actually, they said she did really good. She played Sister Ruth, who sang the song before the, the accident happened, sang the song to uh, Linda Blair. And, of course, they did the big takeoff of that in Airplane, which we'll get to oh, later. Oh, that's, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Sid Caesar was in it. Uh, show of shows one of your favorites Larry Storch (laughs) he was amazing and then the three drunks and here we get back to my original point there were three businessmen that were total drunks the three of them were Norman Fell (laughs) Conrad Janis and the Conrad Janis was on Mork and Mindy he was the bald guy he was uh, Mindy's dad Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And also a great trombone player, great Dixieland jazz trombone oh, player on the West okay. Coast. But the biggest drunk of all, of course, was Jerry Stiller.
1: <laughs> yeah. Whoa. that is, um, That's an amazing cast. I yeah. Mean, it, it's.
0: Yeah. Eric Estrada, Sharon Glass, and Jim Plunkett, the football player, just to round it out. So there you go.
1: It was like. Uh,
0: was this? It sounds like it's almost like a made-for-TV movie. Right? No, no, it was in a, these
1: actors No, I here's know, the
0: thing: it was it was a huge hit, huge hit, but it got horrible reviews. Everyone said this is ridiculous. But even though it got terrible reviews, made a ton of money, and but that was the thing. That was when uh, the folks that, uh, that that eventually wrote Airplane. I think that's the movie that gave them all the material that they needed. To go ahead and write and produce Airplane, which came in 1980, because that's (laughs) when it went from a serious movie to, okay, well, I can't believe this is really happening. That's where they got all the fodder for Airplane.
1: Oh, but man, that was one hell of a ride. No pun intended.
0: All right, now, wait a minute. No, no, no. The ride's not even close to over, because we go to Airport 77
1: and who's and George we already know George Kennedy's in that too
0: right, right. and we mentioned Jack Lemmon who's got the bad mustache
1: uh-huh.
0: uh uh oh, Gary um, Collins is the co-pilot right no Gary Collins was the co-pilot in <laughs> Airport 75 <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute no 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 hold on a second hang on i could be wrong here hang on i got to double check i've got all the windows open with the cast for every let's see no 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 Gary oh wait a minute no Gary Collins was <laughs> <laughs> Gary Collins was, was the co-pilot in the original airport, so you were close. Oh. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right, so Airport 77. I'll go through the cast real quick. Jack Lemmon with the bad mustache. Lee Grant. Um, Olivia de Havilland is actually in Airport. Oh. Uh, George well, Kennedy. is leader. Darren McGavin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Banachek. Ba- was Darren McGavin Banachek? I know he was the Night Stalker. Uh. I have to look that up, but right. uh, that's definitely one for the corrections. I'm sorry. Gonna All right. Have to... uh, it wasn't really an all-star cast with this one, but the head of the airline is played by, believe it or not, even though Airport 77, it made money, but it was critically a bomb, the the owner of the airport is played by none other than Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I do remember that. Yes, See? that's right.
1: He was a, Yeah, he was real worried about everything, I think.
0: Now, what was the plot line of Airport 77? Do you remember?
1: There's trouble on the plane, and it's going to crash if they don't do something to get the situation under control.
0: Okay. Well, you're you're obviously, you're very much in the ballpark. But this one, <laughs> the, the, the plane takes off. It has all these priceless paintings on board. So these hijackers, yeah, yeah these hijackers take over, and they use the ventilation system to release some sort of a sleeping gas. So everyone on the plane falls asleep. Then they take over the plane, they hijack it, and they're going to go ahead and land on some small island somewhere, take off all the paintings, and that's going to be the thing. Well, it turns out they run into some bad weather. They're flying low because they want to be under the radar so no one can track them. Well, what happens... The plane crashes, although it doesn't really crash. It lands on the water and then it sinks to the bottom. Does that ring a bell? Oh, it,
1: I remember. I saw this in the theater, and then Jimmy Stewart comes at the end in a boat with his
0: granddaughter. Right? Yes, that's it exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, so most of the most of the uh, the second half of the of the movie is the the fact that they're trying to raise this plane with everyone still on board. The water's getting in, they're running out of oxygen, Jack Lemmon has a bad mustache, he's the guy kind of, you know, uh, in charge of, I think he was the captain, let's see, yeah, he was the captain, so he's trying to go ahead and and, and get everybody to safety, Jimmy Stewart's on the surface, they raise the plane, everyone gets off, then the plane falls back to the bottom of the ocean, that's the end of the movie.
1: That's the end of the movie. This is the one on the big 7040 40s side of it with the two floors where they had the, the bar on the top of the piano player up there, I think, if I remember correctly. That's totally one of the fir- un-
0: unimportant details. That's one of the first movies that I ever saw in the theater. And I yeah. remember, and this was pretty funny, the planes at the bottom of the ocean, or the sea, wherever it was, uh, the planes at the bottom of the water, and they show the shot of the stairs, and you're right, it was a double-decker, a wide body, and they show like it's like a little river coming down the stairs, and that's when they first notice that. Oh my God! You know, here we go. Oh, that's we're right. gonna yeah. yeah. And I remember some guy from the back of the theater said, "Who left the water running?" <laughs> Good one, sir. I, that's what I said. I'm like, "Hey, that guy's pretty quick. That's pretty funny." Yeah. He was. He, he later attended uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show midnight showings. He... All right, let me fast forward now. To the final in the series, and I don't know if you know this one. This is the only one that you can watch uh, on the internet. This is the only one that uh, I think is on YouTube for free. The rest of them you got to pay money to see. This one is Airport 79, the Concorde. I do remember, vaguely. Uh, okay.
1: God only knows what we're down to as far as
0: pilots by this point. Well, here's the deal. George Kennedy, Joe Petroni, oh, yeah. all of a sudden, somehow got promoted to pilot (laughs) that's right and
1: then mickey rooney takes his place as the chief engineer correct
0: (laughs) i wish that were the case no (laughs) although i should say this george kennedy is the co-captain they use alain delon and i don't know if i'm saying that right he the french actor do you remember him i think it's Alain delon or it's spelled a l a A yeah he was one of those guys who was he was popular in the 60s and early 70s real handsome guy good actor french guy um But he's kind of the co-captain because the Concorde, as you know, flew from France to the United States. So he was the French captain. George Kennedy was the United States captain.
1: Oh, Jim, can we take a break for a commercial message real quick? Is that possible? We'll be back right after this.
0: I got this new iPhone for just 25 bucks. I got this brand new high-speed computer for just $79.
1: I won this 50-inch flat-screen TV for just $9.
0: Laptops for $25, iPods for $10, cell phones for $0.09. Do you have a credit card? Can you make online bids? But more importantly, do you have a credit card? Hmm. It's time to step up and join the winners at ChumpBid.com. Hundreds of online auctions every day at ChumpBid.com. So easy to sign up, too. If you don't win your auction, you get your money back. Eventually, no need to contact the Better Business Bureau.
1: I got this Faberge egg for just 15 cents.
0: And shipping is always free at ChumpBid.com. ChumpBid.com is a division of identity. Thieves.net. We reserve the right to play online poker with all your money and keep your house. Somebody's knocking at the door.
1: I didn't mean to kill the buzz. I'm dying to hear more about Airport 77. Let's go.
0: All right. So Airport 79 was the final one in the franchise, and that's when things just went completely downhill. Uh, the special effects are absolutely horrible. Now, let me, let before I get to that. I'll have to edit that out. Excuse me. So on Airport 79... Let me try and explain the plot line to you, which just doesn't make any sense. But the Concorde comes to the United States, one of its first trips. Big deal. Well, as the Concorde is getting ready to go back to France, at the same time, they're testing, very close by, this experimental weapons rocket, which is mm-hmm. going to... D- so, of course, the Concorde takes off, and this experimental weapons rocket goes off course... And almost goes into the Concorde, so George Kennedy and the other captain have to do all these evasive move, uh, uh, maneuvers as the missiles come in toward them. And the special effects are absolutely the worst in the world. They show the Concorde like upside down and going and oh, doing loops and all this stuff. And finally, <laughs> I mean, it's okay, like a so fighter jet or something. Yeah. Exactly, and that's like in the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Now, fast forward a couple more minutes. Here's the Concorde still. I think on its inaugural voyage, getting ready to land in France, so it already got shot at by a missile, it gets to France, and there's a French fighter jet that decides to engage the Concorde and starts following it, and it's shooting missiles at the Concorde. (laughs) This is a bad trip. I know! So they're going through the whole thing, again, upside down and loops and all, and George Kennedy finally gets smart, and he says, wait! That's a heat-seeking missile. Missile. So he <laughs> opens the cockpit and fires a flare gun outside into the air, and the flare gun, the flare, attracts the missile, and the missile goes into the flare. I mean, it's... Oh, my God. Well, I hope he had his seatbelt on when he opened the door. For oh, of course guys. he did. No, he's a captain. He's a smart guy. He's going to go ahead. You know, he's going to be safe. So that's the inaugural voyage. Oh. Um, and then they, they're overseas, and then they come back, and... Uh, and I'm, let's see what was the um, uh, oh they sabotaged the return flight by having the cargo uh, cargo door open uh, electronically uh, by robots or by you know remote control or whatever. So halfway through the flight, they open the cargo door. Uh, the bad guys are trying to sabotage the Concorde because Robert Wagner plays the bad guy here. Uh, his company, the, the company that also made that experimental weapons rocket, turns out they sold arms to, like, the Middle East or, or, or one of our enemies. And his girlfriend, who's a reporter, uh, gets information. She's going to leak it. Uh, she's got all the documents, and she's going to bust her boyfriend and say, oh, my God, he sold arms to the enemy. But Robert Wagner said, no, 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 it's okay, sweetie. Main at the same time, he's trying to bring down the Concord. He's the guy that shot the rocket at it originally. Now he's trying to make it break up because the cargo door is gonna open. Cargo door opens. But George Kennedy and Alan Delane, uh De Leon, however you say his fucking last name, uh, they managed to go ahead. <laughs> And land the plane in, like, the Swiss Alps. They find a big open field of snow. They land in the snow. Uh, everyone gets out. Then the plane blows up for some reason. Even though it's under the snow, it manages to blow up and ignite. Uh, absolutely horrible. Uh, but I will say this. It's so bad that it's good because it's, it's such a chauvinistic movie, for instance. And you're, go- you're not going to believe me, but remember, this is 1979. This is one of the jokes, okay? The, the stewardess is in, is in with the, the captain and the co-pilot and the flight engineer. And the guys are talking about, yeah, we're going to do this, blah, 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 and do this. And she's serving them coffee. And they're talking about, you know, testosterone-type subjects. And finally, the stewardess says, you pilots are such men. And George Kennedy says, uh. you know, they don't call it the cockpit for nothing. Really? Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. I know. Can you... All right, and here's the other one, and this is amazing to me, and I remember seeing this as a kid and thinking that it didn't set right. They're in France, and George Kennedy, and they explained this earlier, his wife has died two years previously. And so he's a widower. He's got a couple of kids. He's in France. Alan de Leon de Leon, how the fuck you say his name, Uh, he's younger, he's good-looking, he says, hey, when we're in France i've got a girl for you yeah i think you'll really like her so george kennedy goes on this date and he falls in love with this girl i mean she's sweet she's beautiful she knows what to say they end up in bed together so the next day alan DeLeon is DeLeon, de leon de a whatever the fuck uh he says to george so what'd you think of the girl oh man i'm in love She's beautiful. She's the greatest. Oh, my God. This is the best girl I've ever met in my life. This is the greatest day. Oh, God, I'm so happy. Ellen says, well, for 5,000 francs, she should be. George Kennedy says, she's a hooker. And so you're like, oh, my God. But George Kennedy, rather than going, oh, my God, I'm in love with her, he goes, you son of a bitch. Claps him (laughs) on the back, and they walk away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's uh, a that's good representation.
0: Men yeah. were men, damn it. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> no, it's a good representation of just how bad that film oh, is. Bad it got. But it is worth a Google because the special effects—they're as bad as is uh, the Shazam and ISIS Hour. It, it, I mean, oh, that's hard to really believe. Bad. No, it's really that bad. So,
1: wow, this has been a surprise development here i thought we were talking about the king of queens would have been just fine but we got to visit one of the greatest bad movies of all time but you know and again plays into kind of my theme some good and then saw a whole lot of bad but good bad too like so bad it's good well and that's and the, one of the best things about tv and and movies for sure
0: and the thing that i love is when you watch those movies and granted i didn't watch them all but i watched as much as i could you can see i mean it's so blatantly obvious all of the gags that the guys who wrote Airplane, they're like, yep, we'll take that. Oh, that's good. We'll just change that to a black guy. Okay, we'll take this. Uh, rather than using Olivia de Havilland, we'll use Barbara Billingsley. So, I mean, you can, see, you can see, a mile away, you can see where they got all those jokes for Airplane.
1: Yeah. Very good stuff.
0: Excellent. Down the rabbit hole we went. This was an unusual uh, uh, episode, but uh, I think very fulfilling nonetheless. We featured Hello Larry. Operation Petticoat, and was it just called Animal House, the, uh, the rip-off TV Delta show? House.
1: They, they couldn't use Animal House, or maybe they could have, but they didn't.
0: Delta House. And, of course, King of Queens and the airport movies. I'm Jim Sion. He's Harry Bartosiak. We thank you so much for joining us today, and... And I'd like to talk more, but I have to go watch Banachek with George <laughs> Pappard. Oh, so George Papp- long now. Wait a minute. Go back. Was George Pappard in <laughs> Banachek? Yes. Yes. Okay, so it wasn't Darren McGavin.
1: No. When I said I needed to take a break, it was really a ruse to research that
0: issue. So now I beat you to it for the corrections.
1: So long now.
0: Hi, this is Jim back with the corrections, and I'm going to do them very quickly because we went 52 minutes. Boy, your oh boy. That broadcast was longer than Game 7 of the World Series when the Cubs beat the Indians. That includes that goddamn rain delay. All right, Harry accidentally said ABC once for Hello, Larry. That was actually on NBC. I think we kind of corrected that. Arthur Spooner, or Jerry Stiller, the actor who played Arthur Spooner, was actually on the $10,000 pyramid. That was the clip they used in King of Queens, and that's why I needed the uh, lifetime supply of Priceroni. Charlton Heston was not in the first airport. That was Burt Lancaster. Charlton Heston was in the second Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Was not in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He was actually on 77 Sunset Strip. And I think that's it. I think that's it. I'm just stalling here to make sure. And you know what? It doesn't matter because you got great music by the original Dukes of Dixieland behind me. So, all right, I'll be quiet so you can hear the Dukes. Frank, Freddie, and Papa Jack, the Thanks so much for, uh, for enjoying our podcast, assuming you did enjoy it. <laughs> Thanks again. So long, dude.